Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, if it feels to you like the legislature just barely left town, you're right. The 2021 legislative session only adjourned on November 17th. But nevertheless, lawmakers will be back in Boise on Monday, January 10th, to begin the 2022 legislative session. It's going to be busy, and it's going to be contentious. We have an unprecedented state budget surplus of $1.6 billion. We have some hot-button issues that are unresolved. Academic standards in math, English language arts, and science. School pandemic protocols and the response to the ongoing coronavirus. And on top of all of that, it's an election year for governor, lieutenant governor, and all 105 legislative seats. So how is all of this going to play out? To get some answers, I sat down on Wednesday with three top education lobbyists. Quinn Perry, the deputy director of the Idaho School Boards Association, Matt Compton, the public policy director of the Idaho Education Association, and Rod Grammer, the CEO of Idaho Business for Education. Here's what they had to say. Well, thank you all for joining us this week. I want to begin, as we head into this 2022 session, I want to ask all three of you to talk a little bit about what is your group's top priority? Because you all represent different constituencies. So what's your top priority or your biggest concern? Uh, Quinn, why don't you start and then we'll go to Matt and then Rod. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I think our top priority this legislative session will really will really be to just kind of stay the course. I mean, in a lot of ways, what, what I mean by that is like, I think the pandemic has had a, such a disparate impact on schools that they really need a year where there's not these big drastic changes happening. Um, the obvious ones that we'll advocate for are things like full day kindergarten. Um, we will always continue to advocate for more state funding to help provide property tax relief. But I think for us this year, the name of the game is to stay in a predictable and stable lane as far as public education. This this year, even over last year, has been exhausting for educators, and it, it really needs to be recognized by policymakers. Um, uh, you know, nurses and first responders um, have really received a lot of kudos over the last handful of years, and edu educators need that same level of respect. So, um, and, and you know, respect actually doesn't have a fiscal note, so it's rather inexpensive for the legislature uh, to dole out. Um, so, and that, that can come in forms of like not passing legislation that devalues their profession. Kevin, I'd like to just touch on two things. One, I think, is very positive, and the other one is 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 going to be a challenge. The positive one first is that I agree with Quinn. I think our top priority would be passing full-day kindergarten. That would be an historic. Uh, decision since we've been at half-day voluntary since the early 70s and it would really put this legislature on the mark uh, leave a legacy a positive legacy for this legislature if it did that um, I think that's a long shot but uh, hope uh, wins eternal uh, my second priority and, and maybe it's my highest is is to make sure that we do not pass a vouchers or an education savings account bill if we do that, uh, we will be changing the Idaho Constitution by legislation rather than a vote of the people, and we'll be changing 130 years of education policy, which doesn't seem to be a very uh, wise thing to do. So those are my uh, IBEs, probably top priorities. 
So I want to loop back to some of those policy questions, especially all day kindergarten and the education savings account. But Quinn, let me go back to what you were talking about, about this hopefully, from your perspective, being kind of a stay the course session. But I'm also curious about the tone and the dialogue that you're hoping to see this session. I mean, your constituencies, all of your constituencies are watching what's happening with, with kids and learning loss and social emotional issues, but there's been so much focus on pandemic protocols, pandemic decisions, the local decision-making authority and the legislature's uh, challenging of some of those local decisions. What do you hope to see come out of all of that? Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of what Matt said, right, where kind of this like mutual understanding from policymakers about kind of how amazing it's been in Idaho that we really were spearheading in-person learning and able to do that. And part of that was that local school board members have the governing authority to kind of run their schools in the way that their community feels fits best. And, you know, a lot of what I talk about in staying the course is protecting that local authority of particularly my members because, you know, it, they have become so controversial, but at the end of the day, it's my constituents so my members are the ones who are having to make the tough decisions about what needs to take place, what tools they need to implement to ensure that kids are safely in-person learning. Now, you talked about respect and you talked about you know, the morale issues and the challenges in the classrooms. We have teacher shortages, we have staff shortages and challenges at the local level, just filling positions. How do you see the legislature perhaps addressing that? How does that tie into debate over the career ladder, yeah. teacher pay, staff pay? With the mix of federal funds that are available right now, as well as the significant surplus that the legislature is going to face, I think we have an opportunity to make very real and significant investments when it comes to teacher pay. Uh, you look at school districts across the state and their inability to find classified employees. Uh, I think Twin Falls recently reported that they were shy 30 classified employees. And that's because um, members of the community can go to Giovanni or, or somebody else in you know, another place in Twin Falls and, and get paid a, a higher wage with, you know, really good health benefits. And really, in a year where you've got a $1.6 billion surplus, continuing the career ladder, continuing or maybe augmenting some of the you know, salary schedules for staff, money's not a limiting factor at this point. Right. I think you could see an acceleration of the career ladder, uh, you know, like a, a, a two for one year or something like that, where the legislature would consider, instead of a five-year rollout, doing a four-year rollout. The same kind of applies to all the kindergarten, right? And I know that's one of your top priorities. The money is there to go into all the kindergarten, but there's a lot of, you're concerned that there's a lot of still political resistance to making that kind of a move. Yeah, in the past, legislators have hidden behind the screen of, we can't afford it, or we don't have the money to, to raise teacher salaries, or full day kindergarten, or early ed. I've always felt like that was a smoke screen for, we just don't want to do it. And a lot of these things uh, are ideological battles. Um, unfortunately, um, we've had honest ideological battles in the past, and now we have wandered into this land of uh, Oz, where the uh, ideolo ideology battles are sort of like really strange out there. 
So it would be great to bring people back and have an honest debate about how we're going to help kids get literate by the fourth grade. Full day kindergarten, early ed are two big ways to do that. And we've got this money. I mean, we have a historic opportunity to invest in education, invest in our teachers, invest in our kids. Um, we have never in the, in the history of our state had this kind of opportunity to really invest in the future. And I just hope that the legislators are up to the task of, of really seeing this as an historic opportunity to seize rather than letting it slip away. Um, I'm a little afraid that, I'm a little afraid they're gonna let a lot of uh, dumb stuff get in the way of us seizing the opportunity. But you also, when you have this kind of a surplus, there's a lot of competition for that money, especially in an election year where there's gonna be pressure uh, to pass something additional in the way of tax relief. There's, there are competing interests in state government. It's not just education, it's infrastructure. How do you, how do you make education the defining issue of this session? You know, I think for me, you know, when we talk about such a record surplus, I think we all, all the stakeholders kind of recognize that you know, things like affordable housing and things like stable infrastructure actually do in turn benefit communities and benefit public schools. I mean, you need housing for your teachers to live in. You need housing, stable housing for a child to be able to thrive in a learning environment. You need good roads and bridges for, you know, school buses to be able to pick up kids every day. So I think, you know, in the big scheme of things, we know that funding education and particularly, you know, stepping up to really fund and fulfill Idaho's, you know, constitutional obligation to fund public schools. I think things like infrastructure and housing and those other kind of key areas that are really hitting hard in Idahoans' minds still play a role in the overall community health and, you know, benefits public education. Those investments in infrastructure, I mean, it can be one-time money, and it also goes it spurs the economy in small communities. Absolutely. And so it's really, it is truly an investment in community where uh, you can address low wages or joblessness. Uh, we could also take a look at schools across the state that could use one-time investments in their infrastructure, whether it be, uh, you know, fixing roofy leaks or uh, changing out the HVAC systems or, or you know, in places like Kamii where they have condemned buildings and, and they've put all of the students into one building um, we really need to look at how we can improve the places where learning takes place as well. The funding is certainly there at the state level, but at the same time, it's also coming in in, in huge amounts from the federal government through the, the coronavirus stimulus laws. And as we reported this week, it's still coming in at the local level through supplemental levies. How do all three of you make the case for state funding in the wake of all of that Funding from other sources. Well, we've got you know we've got enough state funding uh, to really to address these issues that we're talking about: infrastructure, housing, uh, education, and I think legitimately the, the people need a, a property tax relief because we need to raise the homestead exemption. We need to address the circuit breaker. Those are easy things to do without damaging our tax structure or or uh, hurting uh, hurting having unintended consequences. 
So we've got plenty of money to address these things. The beauty of using the state funds as opposed to the federal funds, although we need to use these federal funds very wisely, is that these programs like full day kindergarten, early ed, teacher salaries, those are ongoing. Once we raise the bar, we're going to have to keep those expenses covered. So that's why I think we need to use the state funds for many of these things. We can use the federal funds for other things that, that are important um, and have been earmarked. For example, helping kids recover from the pandemic, uh, their learning loss. So if this were a business, we'd sit down and we'd look at our, our challenges, how we should invest in our company, and how we can use our resources the wisest. Instead, the legislature often just kind of goes off into kind of some, some kind of uh, sidetrack. For example, right now Idaho has the eighth lowest state and in, in local tax uh, base in the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, if that were a company, the company would say, we're doing pretty well over here on, on this thing. But look over here, we're last in how much we spend per student, our infrastructure is suffering, we, we are losing teachers, we need to, to pay our employees more. So, hey, we're doing okay over here. Let's address these other issues. And that's how you, you lead a successful effort. The legislature doesn't approach it that way. You know, They go off on their ideological sort of trails into uh, block canyons, box canyons, and, and get lost in the wilderness. Yeah, I think, again, like going back to the federal funds, why why investment in state funds is so critical to this conversation is that I've never realized until this pandemic how important stability and predictability is to operate such a huge system that benefits kids. So in order to have these great programs, you know, those federal funds are one-time money. And they have years out in dates of how they spend it. And I know that our members and schools and across the state are using those funds to do these one-time upgrades, to, to invest in learning loss, to address issues in the pandemic. But they cannot be a backfill to what the state is providing as support. One topic that's looming that is potentially extremely ideological is academic standards. I want to get a sense from all three of you. How are you viewing that debate when that starts to unfold in the education committees and then really in the next couple of weeks. I, I think it's absolutely mission critical to have the practitioners at the table when you're discussing standards. These are folks who um, have gone to school uh, to become professional educators and uh, if they're not part of the conversation about what standards uh, or, or curriculum is used in classrooms, um, I, I don't know how I don't know how we implement standards like that. Well, I agree with Matt. I mean, first of all, the, the educators know what the hell they're doing. And second of all, you know, math in Idaho is the same math there is in Texas or Alabama or Mississippi or New York or Pennsylvania. English, the last time I looked, the English language was the same in Idaho as it is in Texas, Florida, California. Science. Science is based in facts. It's not based in political philosophy. So we should not be having, you know, I'm tired of this debate over standards. Let's just get the standards done. Let's set the standards. Let's let the teachers do their job and get away from this this craziness, insanity around standards. And let, let English be taught. Let math be taught. Let science be taught the way it should be taught. 
too many of the debates and discussions that we're having right now are not to improve education for students. I'm, I'm trying to think back to last session uh, about a single piece of legislation that went across the governor's desk uh, that would have been good for kids in the middle of a pandemic. And instead, we have forces out there that are doing their darndest to reduce the public's confidence in public education. Um, and uh, I think that that is a, a radical disservice to Idahoans regardless. Kevin, make no mistake. There's an old saying, don't let a crisis go wasted. <laughs> there are these forces out there. Many of them are out of state, by the way. Big money, big organizations out of state trying to change Idaho. And they're trying to use this pandemic to undermine the credibility uh, of public education. Make no mistake, this is an organized effort, and, and they're using the pandemic as the excuse to do that. And you've talked about it, we've talked about this before, about how that became part of the debate over uh, the scholarship bill. When you're expecting something similar in terms of a school choice, education, savings account kind of legislation. That's the end game. They want to privatize education. And, and, and they're, the guy helping carry their water in state uh, is, has been very open about that. Uh, uh, he's also been very open about undermining the, the credibility and the, the basically undermining higher education. These forces want to undermine public education at all levels so they can privatize education. That's the end game here, and that's what we're fighting. And there's a lot of big money, billions, uh, of billionaires out of state that are trying to do this and use Idaho as, as a laboratory to, to accomplish this. Yeah, Idaho, I, I, I think about Eisenhower's famous you know, quotes around the military industrial complex warning about uh, the profiteering uh, that would take place, and I think that's exactly what is, we're, we're moving towards here. I also think it's important to note in this discussion that the public does not feel that way about public education in Idaho. The public regularly turns out in support of passing supplemental levies. The public regular, you know, there are 350,000 students in Idaho's public school system. And, you know, I think that speaks volumes to how regular Idahoans feel about the, school, the schools in their own home communities. And I think it's really important to note that I don't believe that the public feels distrusted or feels like their schools are um, indoctrinating or having these, you know, these massive outcries of upset parents. I don't think that's it at all. I think that you can go to any community in any small town and you will see families, parents, communicator, uh, uh, community members rallying around their public schools. And, and Quinn, you're getting at something that all three of you have gotten at that I really wanted to drill down to a little bit further the tone of the education debate that we saw, not just last session, but then through the indoctrination task force, the education task force, through some of these school board elections, uh, which while localized, some of them were pretty contentious and, and pretty strident. How do all three of you try to pivot the discussion on education away from some of these hot button issues to, we're two years into a pandemic, here are the real challenges facing kids, here are the real challenges facing staff, trying to get onto the other side of this pandemic? You know, I think for, for me, 
I have felt like during this pandemic, a lot of us have had to be reactionary. And, you know, with if you're only being reactionary, you can't be the visionary leaders that children in this state deserve. So a lot of what we're trying to do is redirect that narrative and have people step up and talk about the ways that public schools have benefited them, have benefited their community, have benefited the children that they have. And, you know, for us, I think it really is kind of standing up to really highlight those positive stories and 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 talk about how public schools raise this country. I mean, you know, I'm guessing all of us around this table went to a public school. Um, you know, I think it is so important to really talk about the absolute necessity of having a good system of education in the state. So I think for us, it's really just trying to redirect that narrative, talk about all the positive things that we're doing in schools. I think teachers are the strongest advocates for their profession and for their students. I think last year we, um, due to the biological hot zone that the Capitol was, it was really difficult to get teachers to the Capitol uh, to testify or to even sit down and meet with lawmakers to share their story and their why. Why are they in this profession and why are they doing what they're doing? Uh, share their you had a remote testimony, but I don't know if that had the same Doesn't. impact. Correct. Yeah, it didn't. And, and, and it, you know, it was limited by both time and, uh, you know, we're going to take everybody in the room first and then follow it up. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was extraordinarily complicated. And so it was like fighting a fight with one arm tied behind your back. I think we, Kelly, we have to stay focused on why we're educating kids. And the reason we're educating our kids is so that they can have a successful life. We always like to say success in school, work, and life, because those are the three things that are most important in life. And so you can support a family. And we need to just keep focusing on how important education is for the future of our state, for our quality of life, both as a society in Idaho and as individuals in Idaho. And education is the key. Education is the key to a good life. And we just gotta keep focusing on that and not let them uh, detract from this or sideline us. But I also think it's important for the public to understand the threat here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the mo moms and dads out there. I was out there in Milton yesterday. Uh, my wife is from the small community of Gooding. They, moms and dads out in those communities need to understand the threat to their, to their schools. And, and how, then we need to pivot to how important this education is for the future of their kids. So last question for all three of you. When this session adjourns, whether it's in March or April or November, whenever this legislature <laughs> adjourns sine die, and we, you know, your guess is as good as mine when that happens. What is the one thing that you hope to see, that you would define this session as successful from your perspective if this one thing were to happen? Well, I think after the last session, which was probably the worst session in Idaho history, in my opinion, this legislature has the opportunity to pivot to the future. Mm -hmm. And rather than any single thing, what I'd like to see this legislature do is come back from the abyss and start focusing on positive things, like Matt said, Focus and Gwen, focusing on things that actually can improve the lives of our educators, improve the lives of our kids. And if they just make that turn, uh, if they just make that turn, this could be an historic legislative session. This could go down in history as the best legislature in Idaho history, which many people consider the 65 legislature right now. But I'd say with the money that we've got, the chance to invest, 
this legislature could go down as the greatest in my own history, but they've got to make that pivot. They've it's got, got to be a back, change in focus and emphasis. They've got to back away from the abyss. I agree with Rod entirely. Um, I'm going to take an easy one and say kindergarten. I think that that's something that you hear repeatedly from parents, from policymakers, from educators to school board members to the business community. I mean, I, I, I can find hardly anyone who really doesn't believe that you know, parents should be able to send their kids to full-day kindergarten if they want to at no cost to taxpayers uh, through supplemental levies or through charging parents' tuition. It should just be uh, provided by the state. So I think full-day kindergarten is going to be my, my one thing. I think they have to make uh, careers in, in education attractive again. And that means increased wages, uh, full family health, uh, things that will keep Idaho teachers in Idaho or draw teachers from out of state to our state so that we can avoid this continuing crisis of uh, our, our pipeline issue. Well, Rod, Quinn, Matt, thank you for taking time to walk me through all of this. We uh, may have you back on when this is all over to see how it turned out. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Again, that was Quinn Perry of the Idaho School Boards Association, Matt Compton of the Idaho Education Association, and Rod Grammer of Idaho Business for Education. Much more over at our homepage, idahoednews.org, previewing the 2022 legislative session. I take a look at the politics uh, to, that will flavor this upcoming session. Blake Jones has a preview piece looking at the academic standards debate. And we'll have full coverage of this session starting on Monday, January 10th, with Governor Brad Little's State of the State Address. So check us out on a daily basis. We'll have full coverage of anything that has to do with education policy and education politics. Again, the best place to start is the homepage, idahoednews.org, but you can also follow us on Twitter at idahoednews. We will tweet out links to our stories and bulletins on breaking items. Follow us on Facebook and comment on our stories there. And remember, we'll have much more coverage uh, at idahoednews.org, not just about the legislature, but full coverage of all things education policy and all things education politics. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the podcast. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Have a good week.